This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we chat with Chad Morgenstern and Pete Bray about OpenStack ahead of the OpenStack Summit. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi, Glenn Sizemore, and Sully the Monster. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tech Podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. In the studio with me today, whoa, it's you. You didn't even recognize me, did the you? The human Muppet. <laughs> did not even recognize me. I barely recognized you. You've changed so much since the last time I saw you. I know. It's been uh, it's been a minute or two since I was in the here in the uh, you know the world headquarters of the Tech on Top pod, podcast. You're joining um, the world of the gray here. You're getting a little bit of gray in that beard. Yeah, that's called three kids. <laughs> it's also called traveling all the well, time. There's that too. So uh, Andrew Sullivan, in case you weren't aware who that was, um, if you you know our listeners were probably unfamiliar with your voice as well because they've you know they've they've been longing to hear it. You know, I I haven't heard any complaints about that. Funny enough, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess nobody noticed. Also with us today on the phone, uh, Glenn Sizemore. Hi, how are we doing, Justin? You sound I'm great. Not a robot. You do not sound like a robot. I'm definitely a real boy. We had about a uh, five-minute delay while we were figuring out uh, Glenn, if Glenn was a real boy or not. Why Glenn sounded like RoboCop? <laughs> yes. RoboChicken. Yes, RoboChicken. Um, so you All may hear- sound like upgrades. Yeah, they, well, <laughs> it is Glenn 2.0. Um, so we are, we are working on improving the technology. Uh, yeah. It's $6 million, Glenn. Glenn? Glenn has like a 40-year cadence. So... <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, so uh, in the studio with us today, along with Glenn and Andrew, is uh, Chad Morgenstern. Hi, Chad. If you could tell us who you are uh, in terms of what you do here at NetApp and your social media handle, that'd be great. I do lots of things around here. You may have heard me past as SPC1 and SPC1 again. Oh, yeah. That was me. Remember that I sat right here? I remember that. Next to you? These days, I do all things open. Therefore, my, my Twitter handle is Sock Puppet. Sock Puppet. Mm. Yeah, Sock Puppet. I, I'm surprised that was not taken. I was too, but it was taken with two Ps. I'm Sock Puppet with one P. Oh, well, maybe you should tell people that next time. <laughs> so uh, on the phone also with us today, uh, Mr. Pete Bry. Hi, Pete. Hey, guys. How's it going? Do and you... I can confirm I am not a robot, so just to get that out there. Hey, don't knock until um, you try it. <laughs> so undisputed, <laughs> yeah. Pete wins. Can we can we get back to like maybe day jobs? <laughs> I think Chad has just Downward proven that, that uh, he he is he is even more an expert derailer than our own Justin Parisi. Like we're we're used to some expert. Yeah. Let's take a left at this particular intersection and see how far into the ditch we can get. But Chad has just thrown us into a whole other state. Yeah, there's definitely a derail battle going on here. So um, we're gonna we're gonna have to. That's gonna be some creative editing going on here. Anyway, uh, so Pete, if you could tell us what you do here at NetApp and where we can find you on social media. You bet. So uh, I am Mr. OpenStack at NetApp and uh, responsible for a lot of our marketing efforts and uh, a lot of our involvement with the community. Um, the best way to get a hold of me is uh, my Twitter handle, which is Cloud Storage Guy. All right. Why didn't you pick up the uh, Twitter handle Mr. OpenStack? Is that already taken? <laughs> yeah. Only taken. He's he's already furiously changing it to Mr. OpenStack. So we thought Mr. we would. OpenStack is available. It, there you go, Mr. OpenStack. Should grab that. Should grab it. 
or create a second handle so you can keep both. Anyway, um, so today we're going to talk about OpenStack, of course, because we have the OpenStack people in here. Uh, we have not covered OpenStack in a while, so we're going to be kind of refreshing people on what OpenStack is, what sort of updates we've had in the last year or so. And the idea behind this podcast is to give people um, a way to learn OpenStack, some resources, and how and, you know a story of how to go from being a beginner at OpenStack to becoming more of an expert. So uh, to begin with, I would like to do an OpenStack 101, just a high-level overview. Chad, give us the overview. OpenStack is a collection of APIs, application programmable interfaces. The whole idea is that you have uh, a way to have infrastructure as a service that's managed through this one set of commandlets, right? Um, and it has everything from networking called Neutron. It has uh, compute called Nova. Uh, it has storage, block storage called Cinder, which is one of our bailiwicks around here. Can I say bailiwick? I like that word. You can say bailiwick. I'll allow it. Bailiwick. And you have file services as a service, which is Manila, another another technology. Uh, you have images, Glance. That's where you get the image that's built put onto the the Novinces boots off of. You can go after Linux or Windows or really whatever you want to go after. Um, those are the, are the are the core components. You have other things like Swift, it's which is S three. I know it's very Swift. So um, it's highly available. Built a message queue. It has an API for each of the different services, and then it has a a layer for launching machines and interacting with with any of the backends or any of the other technologies such as compute service or or volume services, etc. Um, it's there. That's the highest level. Um, so. What it gets you is it gets you to be able to have infrastructure service on various hypervisors. And I'll tell you what, it is really, really hard. It's it's complex. Um, so Amazon, you guys all heard of Amazon. Uh, could you refresh us who Amazon is? I've never heard of this person. Sure, there are a bunch of women from a long time ago along the Greek Isles, really. They killed all their men off. So AWS uses, <laughs> I'm guessing, infrastructure as a service. Amazon so, uh, uses yeah. infrastructure service. And they also have... have um, Platform service and software as a service. They have they have the whole kit and caboodle. Uh, but this was a way to go open source on the technology that Amazon's trying to develop. In fact, when I first got involved in this space a couple years ago, you want the history? I can give you the history. Go for it. Go for it. So when I was involved in, in the performance team before I came over to the OpenStack team a few years ago, um, we moved over to the Data Fabric Group and we got involved in all things cloud. It became very cloudy, uh, and one of my Mandates was to figure out how do we interact in that space? How does NetApp interact with that space? How do we do performance analysis? How do we get get involved at all? What the heck is this stuff called AWS? So I, so I asked if I can come, come up to speed and kick in, and, and I did, and I spent a couple months reading lots and lots and lots and spacebar, 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 lots and lots of books and pages of books uh, for Amazon. Did it, went down that road and said, you know what, this is great, but there's a lot of stuff I don't know because I can't get under the covers of this stuff, so let me go and learn OpenStack instead now. Um, Took a pause from, from AWS for a little while, for a couple months, and read lots of books. Uh, Dan Radis, Packed Books for OpenStack. That's where I got my start. I read all the different components, how to, how to build it, how to interact with it. Um, got involved in, in PackStack for the Red Hat distribution of OpenStack, RDO. PackStack's really easy way to, to deploy, especially in all-in-one environment. They call them uh, toy environments, but you can, you can set up rather large environments. Spent months there because I can get under the covers and, and really understand what's going on. For example, how, how Swift works, because Swift is very similar to S3. Uh, so I spent a long time there. Then moved on from there to Azure, learned Azure Spaces. Well, then moved on to containers, learned Docker. Stopped before I got to Kubernetes, started learning Puppet, got a little bit involved, a little tiny bit, a bit involved in Ansible. Uh, then I started doing automation work. And then a job came up here in the OpenStack team, and they said, why don't you come over and try us out? And I figured, why not get in the heat of it? And I came down. 
So uh, I'll stop you there, Chad, and and ask Pete a question. Uh, so Pete, Chad said, or Chad referenced OpenStack as an infrastructure as a service provider, right? So on-prem, open source, infrastructure as a service for any organization. So can you can you describe any use cases, and in particular, why OpenStack versus any of the other offerings? You bet. So a lot of the popular use cases um, are people who are building cloud infrastructure. So you can imagine cloud service providers, uh, managed service providers, you know, people that are hosting web applications, software as a service, you know, those are very popular use cases that draw on uh, OpenStack as an infrastructure as a service. Um, the telecom industry, interestingly enough, you know, they're, they're really driving towards, you know, driving efficiency into the telecom infrastructure around the world. And, you know, there's really interesting use cases around Internet of Things and having edge devices and having, you know, OpenStack clouds running at the edge of the network. Um, so it's really cool from that perspective. But what's really interesting, I think, lately, though, is a lot of the development work around containers and Kubernetes and Docker running together, you know, with OpenStack. I think really what we'll see when that becomes even more real is, like, you'll see a lot of enterprises who you know, write applications and develop code and want to take advantage of these newer approaches to application development cycles and the efficiencies that they get as a result of that. And while you don't necessarily have to use OpenStack together with containers, um, there's a lot of good reasons why you would do that, though. And I think OpenStack brings a lot to the table in that respect. So for a long time, I've described Platform 2 applications as those which expect the infrastructure to be infallible. Right. I have a monolithic application, which is monolith is a term the Docker community loves. Right. Uh, but it expects that the storage is always going to be there and there's zero latency and infinite IOPS and the network is always going to be there and there's zero latency and infinite bandwidth. And the compute is always there with you know unlimited cycles and there's always RAM. There's no such thing as swap. Right. So on and so forth. And when those things break. Well, so does the application, right? And most of us as infrastructure administrators have made our careers out of creating, well, infrastructures that are capable of meeting those needs as closely as possible. But then there's platform three applications, which know that ultimately none of that is true, right? The infrastructure fails, it fails all the time. So the application compensates for that. And it sounds like, right, all of those things that you described are primarily platform three, so is there, does, does OpenStack fit into kind of traditional platform two enterprise workloads or is it more focused on platform three type workloads? Oh, it can, it can definitely fit into the platform two space. Um, I think to really get the, the power of a cloud architecture, obviously you need to be in the term we use in the industry as cloud native. Um, you know, it does require a different architecture and you're absolutely right in terms of whether the application worries about, you know, the underlying availability or if it's actually assumed and it will be provided. And you know what? We, we live in an imperfect world where, you know, yeah, it would be great if you could rely on somebody else for all of those things. But the reality is um, we don't live in a, in a perfect world and um, there is a blurring of those lines. Yeah, I, I just recently went through a, a round of EBC on the road presentations. And one of the things that I had talked about was, you know, de DevOps, one of the core principles is collaboration communication, right? So even regardless of the type of application, whether it's platform two, platform three, whatever it happens to be, right? If the infrastructure team and the applications teams are communicating, right, they can minimize 
the underlying weaknesses of the infrastructure and maximize the capabilities of the infrastructure at the application level. Um, so I, I think it's definitely an important concept to understand. Um, so I'll jump back a little bit. So Chad, right, where does NetApp come into play with all of this, right? We, we wanted to kind of phrase this portion of the podcast as an, an open stack 101. And in particular, from our perspective, right, NetApp, we are a storage company. So what, what does this mean to us from a portfolio perspective? So I'll try to answer that. If, if I go the direction that you don't mean to go, just just tell me. Um, so first and foremost, about five years ago or so, NetApp got involved in the Cinder space uh, and the Manila space, um, where we just we were the we are the product technology lead. Means that we directed the technology for Manila, which is the the, the, uh, the uh, file services as a service, and we're we're heavily integrated into Cinder space itself. And we bought SolidFire, the product technology lead for for Cinder, is John Griffith, who is a principal engineer at at SolidFire. Uh, so we are a leader in the community in these two spaces. Um, as far as the storage across the globe, we know that, that out of every seven OpenStack deployments, five involve five involved, uh, NetApp of some kind, be it SolidFire or, uh, or ONTAP. So we are the leading storage deployment in the OpenStack community. So that's, that's our involvement. We got involved because we knew our customers are using this. We want to make it simple. We want to be integrated. We want to be involved, and we want to be adaptable. Uh, our unified driver, which we use for Cinder, is pre-deployed in the OpenStack upstream code. So we are deeply integrated, and that's the place we, we decide to go after. So Cinder and Manila are kind of at their core, at their most basic description, homogenizers, right? Everybody is required to meet the same set of APIs, from a storage provisioning, storage consumption standpoint. Uh, so what I mean by that is, right, the, the, the OpenStack tenant simply comes in and says, Cinder, give me a volume, right? Cinder makes a generic set of API calls down to the storage layer in order to have that provisioned, the physical storage layer. So how does NetApp, regardless of the portfolio product, differentiate amongst our peers in this community? So I think uh, the way that SolidFire really differentiates, um, well, I think it first of all starts with something that Chad touched on a little bit is the work that we've put into making our storage really work and work well uh, with Cinder. Um, you know, a lot of the concept, we were talking earlier about platform two versus platform three, you know, this notion of self-service and the, you know, the separation in the past, you know, in a traditional enterprise environment where you had, you know, operators and you had development teams and they were two separate teams. And I think, you know, the vision going forward is um, our infrastructure becomes much more self-serving. And so what's the point of that? The whole point of that is, you know, SolidFire and the work that we have done with both SolidFire and our ONTAP platforms and the integration um, together with Cinder and actually some of the other, you know, APIs that exist within OpenStack really make it a lot easier to automatically at the application level request a volume and it will have, you know, certain characteristics in terms of performance requirements. Um, you know, there's there's a notion of, you know, gold, platinum, silver tiers of storage. And uh, it really encompasses um, the ability to not only require or request uh, a certain set of capacity, but also a certain set of performance from the underlying storage. So, you know, like I said earlier, it's not a perfect world, but, you know, we are moving towards um, a much more service-oriented, self-service-oriented type of an architecture with this. 
I'd be remiss, though, if I didn't mention, you know, we expose some of the industry-leading features that Solid Fire presents also, things like quality of service. And, you know, we could get into the technical details of why our quality of service is better than others. Um, just suffice it to say, we've done a lot of work in that space, and, uh, you know, we can provide guaranteed levels of service to application workloads. So what, I, what I'm hearing is the differentiation is still at the storage platform level, right? We're we're just leveraging Cinder itself to um, create what what you call tiers, right? Which I believe use extra specs in order to help differentiate those. Um, but we're, we're we're still leveraging the underlying platform features in order to dif- differentiate. That's right. So take a look at SolidFire, for example, of what it does with the Cinder Unified Driver or Cinder Driver, rather. The Cinder Driver for for SolidFire is extremely simple. There's really just five lines. Uh, that includes a admin name, an IP address for a service for a a, a VIP, um, a backend name, um, and all it's going to do is you go ahead and specify when you when you have this this backend loaded in, you have this this service running. You say I'm going to go create a volume, and it doesn't. And what SolidFire will do is it deploy it for you, um, and the space it consumes is minimal because it's then provisioned up front always within SolidFire. It's one massive pool of capacity for the entire SolidFire cluster. Uh, and if you want to add additional capacity, you just add additional nodes to the SolidFire cluster and scales itself out. So it's simple and it's easy and fast to deploy. We have a customer that we're talking with over in Japan who's got a very small team. They have six people in their team total. And uh, what he told us was he, he was trying to maximize on business efficiency. They have very few people, right? So they have to manage their entire infrastructure of, of network, of servers, of storage with just a handful of guys. And they need to figure out how to do that. So they went to OpenStack, and they were able to cut back their deployment times significantly. But then they moved on to storage. Well, how do we do the same with storage? Because storage is complicated, right? You have to have a lot of nerd knobs to turn. You have, you have issues with upgrades. You have issues with capacity scaling out. How do I manage that? So they said, let's go ahead and do SolidFire in place for Cinder. And with SolidFire, this one guy has a self-service capability. And if he wants to scale out, he adds new nodes in. Guys come along, they provision storage, they're good to go. If they need to protect themselves from any kind of latency issues, because where latency issues occur, they happen at the very edge of utilization. Once the cluster is at its edge, your latency starts to climb very, very fast. So they put in, they're going to put in place QoS. That's to protect them later on. Right now, it's not needed because the utilization is kind of low. So where we add value in solid fire for Cinder is the simplicity, is the quality of service, and the, and the expandability. But also, SolidFire is built around the API, a very easy integration. So the API layer, this customer was telling me as well, was very simple for them and very key for them because they have to go star as a service, and that's where SolidFire came in there. For ONTAP, uh, we, talk in, we talk about Manila, for example. By the way, ONTAP does Glance, it does, Cin- it does Cinder, it does Manila. Um, so if you look, take a look at... Before you go on, re- yeah. re- refresh our memory, what's Glance? That was the first time that one came up. Oh, I forgot to talk about that one. Uh, Glance... Now you mentioned it earlier. You said it's images, right? Glance is the image uh, tracking utility. Repository. It's a, it's a project that tracks the repository. It's a repository, but the content can live somewhere else. So images representing a virtual machine. Images representing a gold point for virtual machines that you're going to boot off of. Right. So anyway, where was I? Oh, so we support an in, in on-tap Glance, which is the image repository, image, image pointer. Uh, we also rep- we also hold on to Cinder Manila, so we all, we support all three in, in that in that that platform. Uh, talking about Manila though, for ONTAP, um, and again a feature that that NetApp built. It was Project Technology Lead is here. Uh, it's a project we pushed. It provides ability to have NFS as a service. And what's really interesting about this is it's not just for OpenStack. Frankly, for that matter, Cinder isn't just for OpenStack either. Uh, there's a project called um, Blockbox, 
that allows you to run Cinder as a service where you can run Cinder containerized on its own and present block storage up to bare metal boxes. Manila is the same thing. It can present, we don't have it containerized yet, but it can present up NFS as a service to non-OpenStack environments. And what Manila gets you is gets you the ability for a regular user to come along and say, I need to have my own NFS export. It'll go ahead on, on, and on tap through the driver. We'll go ahead and provision a FlexFall. And then also through some basic commands that the, that the, that the, uh, the requester will put in, we'll provision an export policy, export it out. Now you can go ahead and access this volume. So we make NFS easy for users to consume. You started out with OpenStack by reading a lot of books. Um, outside of reading books, which you listed out a few, um, how did you go from becoming a relative novice with OpenStack to becoming an expert? I wouldn't say I'm an expert for one. I'm saying you're an expert because you can spell it and I can't. Able to install it without needing um, like 16 different people to help you. <laughs> Is that, that an accurate representation of your expertise level? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it depends. So I'll go back to quoting the same, co- the same colleague we have in this customer over in Japan. And what he told me is the same thing that I, that I experienced, frankly, with most of the guys who've deployed OpenStack have gone to the same road. In fact, we had an SE in a conversation we had a month or so ago with here at NetApp talked to me. Said, they said, you know, if I've got a customer who's going to do OpenStack, they're going to build it yourself. And this customer's mind said, Chad, he said, we tried build it yourself. And frankly, I said, I tried build it yourself. And it's a phenomenal way to get into the space. You know, you work around things like this pack stack. Work around things like Director, which is the OpenStack platform for Red Hat. Work around those. Do it all yourself. Do the whole installation yourself. And you can. But it's really, really hard. And it takes a very long time. But doing so, though, you get to learn how it all works, what the integration points are, what it's really doing. But it's really, really hard. And it, it's not scalable. And it, it's, it's really hard to maintain. Upgrading is, is it's hard. Um, so I started there. So like many people start. You go on from there and you start building things using Packstack. It's the simplest mechanism. It's a configuration file. So Packstack, configuration file, you modify the configuration, you put in passwords, put in IP addresses for you, that you want for your... Put in passwords and put in IP addresses you want for the different um, service hosts. And you do a, uh, a uh, Packstack pack answer file and, and loads it up and the whole environment is built out. That's where you go next. Then you start working with the command line utilities. And you start figuring out how these different things work. You work different services. You put on tap in place. You put solidifier in place to figure out how that works. And then you start realizing there's still a lot I don't know. Then you turn to better documentation. So let's talk about documentation for a second. So our netapp.io site, that's netapp.io, um, it's our one-stop shopping for documentation within NetApp community for, for all things open source. We have an OpenStack site within there, so netapp.io slash OpenStack, and we have our documentation. Uh, we put a lot of time and effort in the last few months into upgrading our documentation, making it a format that's easy to use and easy to read um, and easy to modify, that easy to follow bugs against. Um, the search isn't in place yet, so I'll warn you there. We've we got to make that work. But it, it's a location that tells you how to do all things the NetApp way. Uh, there's in, in each of the different sections, Cinder, Manila, Glance, um, you have an example section that tells you here how to run all the different commands. Uh, theory and, and, and uh, deployment choices to tell you how things work and why you want to do one thing versus another. So you start learning as you move down this road that it's best to not have to not work through every single piece of this, but to start relying upon those who've gone before you and start building the way that others have built it out. And I'll go to the next step, and this is again another thing that my colleague in Japan has said. He said once we try to build it yourself, it's been months and months doing this, and we start relying upon experts. With this, they turned to wrap to to um, OSP. So Red Hat has their own distribution of OpenStack. 
that is highly certified and, and highly vetted and highly worked through and stable. Uh, so they rely upon the vendors to help them work through the issues. Uh, I've heard this too lately. I haven't, I haven't done it yet. We, we know we have some here, which I haven't gotten involved with it yet, like some of the team for about four or five months, uh, Ansible and using Ansible to deploy your environment as well. So that's, that's the road you generally go down. And then you start looking at, well, when things break, and I've gotten involved in things breaking a lot lately because I've gotten involved in escalations, not that things break all that often. They, we, have, we don't see that much breaking around here. Uh, you get involved in the code itself. That's one of the great things about open source. You can actually look in the code and figure out how things are working. So that's the direction. It, but it, Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's basically you poked around at it until you realized that this is a giant bear. A giant, giant bear. So you decided that the best approach was to find the bear tamer. <laughs> Not to mention right? I, got, I got close to engineers. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's a matter of how much time do you have, uh, how much effort do you want to put in, and versus how much money do you have. So if you got money and you don't really want to put in the effort and time, you could pay somebody for you know OpenStack uh, like deployments, right? So put it this way: um, we have 25 years of experience in the storage industry. We we've learned the ins and outs of what breaks, what doesn't break, what works, what doesn't work. You can build it yourself, or you can rely upon the knowledge of those who came before you. So there's no weakness in in taking advantage of other technologies, right? I, I know that OpenStack is is open, right? We know that Kubernetes is open, but but you also have OpenShift, Red Hat, and you also have OSP. You have you have Sless has their own version as well. You have you have Mirantis. You have many distribution Mirantis. I think you have these distributions that are vetted, right? They're not now you're paying someone to do this work for you, but it's the price you pay to get it done right and not to spend all the cycles learning how to do every single piece of this yourself. And you have a few blogs that kind of highlight how to do this with NetApp. So those are all on NetApp.io as well, right? I do. Um, I'm, it's a work in progress. My idea with the blogs were, well, first thing first, the blogs I've got right now are a series on disaster recovery, how disaster recovery works in different environments. I've only been making this make work. I've only been able to go so far into Cinder so far, Cinder DR. It's called a project, a lovely project name called Project Cheesecake. Um, I made some headway there, about five blogs out there, pretty technical. Uh, you, you walk through this, you get to learn how to deploy an environment once OpenStack's in place, how to, how to, provide, how to deploy a tenant. You get a tenant in place, users, you get your extra specs, which are your attributes that you want to apply to creating Cinder volumes or Manila volumes, Manila, uh, Manila shares, rather. Um, went down that road. So you read it. You can learn a lot about how to do all this for yourself and, and repeat what you did. Uh, I want to go further, just haven't had the time to yet. Kind of in summary, right, there's, there's roll your own OpenStack, right, of going and deploying the the straight off of the OpenStack.org website, mm-hmm. right? There's leveraging some of the third-party tools. So you mentioned PackStack, right, which uh, more or less do the same thing, just in an automated fashion. And then there's uh, the, the quote-unquote official distributions, which come from various vendors. Mm-hmm. Um, so NetApp and Red Hat have a pretty strong alliance, um, an alliance relationship that's growing, uh, especially here in recent years. Um, so RHEL OSP, which is uh, Red Hat's uh, OpenStack platform, can you can you elaborate a little bit more on that and kind of what that means to us as NetApp as well as perhaps to anybody who, or you know, whether it's customer or internal, um, who's looking at deploying potentially OpenStack? And, you know, is there... Any advantages to using um, any of the vendor distributions with NetApp? What you get when you use another – this returns the question you asked before about why NetApp. Um, we have a very rigid testing methodology. where We have a continuous integration, continuous deployment tech, uh, suite where we will test 
our products again and again and again. Red Hat OSP, in order to certify with their technology, requires that you certify with their technology. You have to run through a series of tests that we've been working a long time to get through. We've just recently certified with Red Hat OSP 10 and OSP 11, right? So by the relationship we have with Red Hat, we've done all these rigid tests and got the certifications done, and it's marked on Red Hat's website, and the work's done done on our side as well, right? So you get the certification, therefore you know it's going to work. And also, if it doesn't work, you know to talk to. So with Red Hat OSP, you can go straight to them, straight to Red Hat, and they have a good support platform that will work with you to fix the problems. Red Hat has a maintenance cycle. They have long-term releases and short-term releases. The long-term releases, what is it, a year and a half? They're guaranteed good for a year and a half, plus there's about a three-year total warranty on them that you can keep working with. So Red Hat OSP 10 is a long-haul release. And the next one up, we're, by the way, we're currently in Pike. Pike release just came out a little bit ago, but about a, a month or so ago. Uh, we have a blog about it. And the next release will come out will be Queens, which will be Red Hat OSP 13. RHOSP 12, which is the Pike equivalent, will come out soon. Uh, RHOSP 13 will be good for a year and a half. It's a long haul release. So you get the benefit of having a technology that ha- and a partner that sticks with you for a very long time and maintains your code for you. So we so we have distribution right for OpenStack, simplified, supported, right. Um, accredited, I think is the right word here, right, from a, a Cinder Manila driver integration perspective from NetApp. And, oh, yeah, we also might have a little platform that Glenn kind of sort of works on for deploying this onto, right? For sure, man. You know, you know that uh, the Converged Infrastructure Group is knee-deep in OpenStack. We have been for years and years. Uh, it's 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 just it's part of the ecosystem for us. Uh, you're talking about FlexPod. Thank you. I didn't know where Glenn was these days. Um, so <laughs> we don't either. <laughs> I saw you him were? in the office today. I, I tried saw to keep y- it a mystery. I saw him yesterday. I gave him stickers. So we've got two converged infrastructure technologies. We had our, we have the FlexPod data center, which we've which has been on for a very long time now. And I was involved at the very beginning of, of, of FlexPod. Uh, we have a CVD Cisco Valid Design, which is again what, what we talked about for Red Hat certification process. We have. Cisco Valley designs are very, very rigid. I've been involved in a few of them. Uh, lots and lots and lots of check marks to check off or box to check off. So we have CVDs that we do with Cisco in our partnership that demonstrates exactly how to set up Red Hat OSP on top of the FlexPod, which is, which is UCS, as well as on tap together. Um, now releasing FlexPod SF, which been out. When did FlexPod SF come out, Glenn? Uh, right before Insight US. So when is that? Or actually, no, I take that back. That it was uh, we announced it at Cisco Live. So back in February. Okay. So we are re- we are announcing or we're releasing a Cisco Valley Design paper that will show how to do a FlexPod with SolidFire with Red Hat OSP 10, which is Newton, the long term release. Well, just to yep. be clear, FlexPod SF and FlexPod with SolidFire are not the same thing. That's correct. So. FlexPod, let me back up. FlexPod Data Center, in order to be a FlexPod, has to have ONTAP in place and it has to have UCS arrays in place. Um, that makes that, and that, once you have that in place, you have this checkbox that says, yes, this is a FlexPod. Yes, that means that Red Hat, sorry, that yes, that means that, that if you call Cisco or you call NetApp, we have a joint partnership relationship in there that we will support, you know, whoever takes the call first will support this thing long term, the full, the full work of the case. With the CVD that has Red Hat OSP in place, that we did with a CVD means that you call Red Hat or 
VMware, sorry, Red Hat or Cisco or NetApp, not VMware in that case, uh, will support the product. Um, with that FlexPod data center that has to have ONTAP installed, you can also add to that E-Series. You can also add to that SolidFire. And SolidFire in that case can be its own normal SolidFire, which sits in, what is it, Dell servers. And that may, and it's still part of the FlexPod infrastructure. FlexPod SF is a different, different story altogether. FlexPod SF is entirely UCS gear. So the FlexPod, sorry, so the SolidFire array doesn't run on traditional Dell. Instead, it runs within UCS blades. Not under UCS manager, but under UCS blades themselves. So it's, it's entirely Cisco platform, different technology. And, that's what the coming, and that is coming out with the CVD very soon. And as Glenn said, the FlexPod SF was announced back in February. Yep, and it doesn't matter which one of those a customer w- thinks is the right choice for them. Uh, we have solid, or we have uh, OpenStack architectures and partnerships all the way across the board. So, um, with everything that we talk about here at the podcast, we have to ask: um, How do we tie this into the data fabric? So, wow, the data fabric cords. Uh, so, the data fabric is all about data where you want it to be, data where you need it to be. Uh, getting away from traditional just brick and mortar storage technology to your data is the important thing, right? Data is king. Uh, OpenStack allows you to migrate your data back and forth. So, for example, I've got a nice little video that I can, I can share with you guys. It shows how to, to move a Manila uh, that allows you to configure a backend in ONTAP Cloud in AWS or, a, or an ONTAP Cloud out in Azure and a local uh, backing system. So with that in place, you can move your service you can move your, your uh, file services between the two locations back and forth and do a remote within that, within Manila, unmount, remount, and all of a sudden you're pointing at locations somewhere else. So data migration, data movement. So data fabric's in place right there. You also have integration for backups, for example, with, with, with uh, AltaVault, with Storage Grid. Your Storage Grid and your, can, be, can, be off box, can be off-prem or on-prem. Again, data fabric, have your data where you need it to be. So, Pete, did you have anything else you wanted to add for us about OpenStack or anything related to OpenStack? Um, I think, uh, you know, we've got the OpenStack Summit coming up uh, in Sydney, Australia, and we'll be there, uh, both Chad and myself. So if you happen to be at the OpenStack Summit um, and you listen to this before then, uh, come out and check us out. we got a lot of cool stuff uh, that we're working on, and uh, we'd love to talk to you more about OpenStack. So, Pete, do you happen to know, um, one, do we have any sessions at OpenStack Summit Sydney? And two, do we have any sessions from Insight that might be interesting? We've got nine different sessions at OpenStack Summit in Sydney um, covering a wide range of topics, everything from Cinder to Kubernetes and everything in between. So uh, some pretty cool topics there. I don't think there are any recorded sessions from Insight that covered OpenStack, but I could be wrong on that. Chad, you have a session there, right? I do. I've got the final session. Uh, yeah, so we have two customers going to be presenting with us, three customers we be presenting with us through, throughout the entire thing. One is STC. They're the Middle East's largest public cloud. They'll be presenting. Uh, and I will be moderating a session the last day, the last session of the day, 3.30 to 4.10 Sydney time, which means overnight here, uh, on Excite Japan and UniEdX, a um, Unisys company. And they'll be presenting, talking about the business advantages they've had going down OpenStack and taking advantage of NetApp technologies. Cool. And this will all be recorded so people can watch it later, right? Mm-hmm. Excellent.
All right, Chad, Pete, thanks so much for joining us today to talk about OpenStack. Uh, again, if we wanted to reach you on social media, Chad, how would we do that? Sock Puppets 1P. And a Sock Puppet or Sock Puppets? I made the handle yesterday. I'm not really sure. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll put that in the show notes. And Pete, yourself. Cloud Storage Guy. All right, guys. Thanks so much for joining us today. That would be Puppets with an S. Puppet is a completely different thing. Oh, God. <laughs> 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 I don't want to know what that is. I had nothing to do with it. A little scary. Enjoy hot baths on the soak cycle. Prefer tumbler dry on the regular heat. More comfortable in thought than in motion. All right, this conversation just took a left turn. So you know Glenn, you, you know Glenn you is able to... If you have it bad, I wake up every morning with cotton mouth. It's like Groundhog Day, except it's my mouth and it's dry. <laughs> These are the great. There's only two tweets, but they're both phenomenal. So, um, so we know Glenn's at home because he's not being blocked by the NetApp filter. <laughs> Is Glenn ever net blocked by the NetApp filter? I don't know. They, they have a Glenn exception, I guess. I yeah, I don't, I don't. I learned from Dan. You don't need a filter. That's just a myth. <laughs> oh, good old Dan. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast.netup.com or send us a tweet at NetApp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher or via techontappodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Chad Morgenstern and Pete Bray for joining us. Thanks for listening. Hey, speaking of the uh, CIC system that the open tech Oh, yeah. How'd you find that out? Uh, because I'm the one who suggested it. It's presented by Andrew Kerr. Yeah, but how'd you find it? K-E-R-R. How'd you find it? You would go to the website and search for Schedule Builder is what you're saying to me? Yes, me. NetApp Schedule Builder. Andrew says he doesn't care. He's the boy, Pierre. Poet, you don't even know it. No, I just, that's a children's book.